gentlemen, this is the Saw Good Man, the better. Better Call Saul podcast. My name is Brian, and with me, as always, is French presidential candidate, Dave. <laughs> so, <laughs> Dave, how's it going? We. Um, we. Oui. Oui. We oui, indeed. Dave and I also host a Nothing Important podcast. You can find that at www.nothingimportantpodcast.com or on iTunes, and you can hear Dave and I. And our friend Jeff talked to people more famous and more successful than we will ever be. Uh, so before we hop into Better Call Saul, season three, episode three, titled what, Dave? Sunk Costs. Sunk Costs. Dave and I also want to say thank you real quick for bearing with us this past week and a half. It's been kind of crazy for us, but uh, our goal this week is to get back on the stick, get back going, and get... Uh, get to where we need to be. So hopefully as you're hearing this, hopefully the credits just got done rolling on uh, <laughs> sunk costs. I'm giving Dave the eye right now, but uh, we're, we're going to do our best to make it happen. Right, Dave winky face. That's right. That's we'll right. Get there. But thank you so much for uh, bearing with us. We totally appreciate it. And uh, lots of stuff coming up for both podcasts. All right. So, Episode 303, Dave, uh, we open up with shoes on a power line, and I was kind of laughing. I was like, who got their ass kicked? <laughs> <laughs> well, I was like, yeah, are we in my hometown? Because right. that, was, that was a thing in some of right. my friends' neighborhoods. Because yeah. I was always under the impression shoes on a power line meant that somebody got their ass kicked, and then like, kind of to add insult to injury, you, you chuck their kicks on a power line. So that way it, they could see them, but they can't get to them. So it's uh, like the ultimate fucking, it's like throwing somebody's ball on a roof when you're five years old. <laughs> it's like, you know, from far enough away, you can see it, but there's no way in hell you can go get it. So it's like a, it's like a big middle finger. I, I like that theory, but I don't think that's the case. I think it's just kids being dicks and just throwing mm -hmm. their shoes up on a power line. I have All right, a 30 year old enough, friend man. that still does that. You know what? And it might be it might be a combination of all that, depending on where you live. So uh, feel free to hit us up on Twitter and tell us uh, why people in your hood throw shoes on power lines. You know about the corner in Indiana? No, there's a street corner in Indiana where people just throw like a single shoe out their window while they're driving by. It's littered with shoes for no reason. Really? Yeah, it's the strangest thing. Wow. Awesome. I'm going to have to look that up. Also, make sure to hit us up on uh, Twitter if you know anything about that. That's really weird. <laughs> <laughs> we used to pass it on the way to band I'm practice. Always, yeah. yeah, we should try to track that down and figure out why that is. I'm always interested in why local traditions like that start. That's that's pretty weird. Friend of the podcast, Curtis, Chris of uh, Devil's Trumpet. He's the one that knows about it. It's by his house. So uh, <laughs> maybe we'll have him back out and talk about it. <laughs> awesome. We're definitely going to have to do that. And, uh, okay. So also, you know, we, we see a Los Poilos Hermanos truck, uh, kind of hauling along. It stops at the Alto sign, uh, and then tears off. And then we see that the shoes have weathered enough and the shoestrings have finally worn away. The shoes fall and the opening credits roll. So watching, watching the initial opening, I was under the assumption that the Los Poilos Hermanos truck, when it pulled up, that, um, because it paused for a while at the stop sign longer than you would normally pause at a stop right. sign, uh -huh. especially out in the middle of nowhere. So at first I was like, well, did somebody get on top of the truck and get the shoes? <laughs> I was like, did they get something from the, is this some sort of cold drop? But then the truck took off back out the desert 
and uh, you can still see the shoes there, and then the wind blows a bit, and it finally, you know, the last thread of shoelace finally gives way, and it hits the pavement. So until, you know, about 35 to 40 minutes from then, I was like, what the hell was that? <laughs> I thought it was a marker, like a just a, you know, a, a signal that this is where you're on the route. You know, gotcha. like they have their okay. route marked by kind of innocuous mm -hmm. common occurrences. Shoes on a power line is pretty common, so it won't draw right, attention. Right, right. So, yeah, just something like, like a flag, just yeah. like, hey. Which it turns I out it was a marker. It's just not, there was a more specific purpose for it. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Uh, opening credit sequence was the uh, the uh, the justice scale with the uh, woman ashing in it, who I guess I never really thought about it before, but... Uh, I wonder if that's supposed to be Kim. Huh. I didn't think about that. Let's say yes. Because her story, her story seems to be, to be like, uh, ready to take like a dark turn as well. It seems like whatever her story is, because she's kind of frustrated, but it seems like she's sticking by Jimmy. So it seems like mm -hmm. her story might be taking a dark turn or at least not a path of righteousness that she probably anticipated it. Yeah. To be at the beginning of her career. So I wonder I if that's so. supposed to symbolize Kim kind of uh entering some uh some less than ethical ground as well. I like that theory. I also like uh if you combine the opening with the scene before, it's like what do you do when the other shoe drops? Isn't that a phrase? The no. shoe is on the <laughs> other foot now, my friends. So that's where I thought nice. this episode was going to head. Some things would get flipped around. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, so we pick up. We see that Mike, uh, we, uh, they're doing pretty good at picking up like 10, 10 seconds before the previous part yeah. of the story. Uh, so we see Mike again walking up the phone. He picks it up and say, yeah. And I don't remember who uh, predicted that on preview with a prior, but I think maybe you that did would be, predicted. That would be Dave. Dave, you predicted that it pick back up with Mike's story, where uh, Jeff and I thought that it might pick up at um, at Chuck's house at, uh, at Chuck's house after after uh, or right before Jimmy gets arrested. Um, so it's kind of a cool way to go about it. The voice on the phone, you know, says, "Don't show your gun." You know, we have no desire to show ours. Right. Uh, it's nice to see. It's nice to see some trust. Self yeah. trust. It's nice to. <laughs> Mike tends to to take people at their word a lot of times. Yeah, and. And it's a lot more practical than what you see in a lot of TV shows where they're like, drop your weapon. Right. And they go through that whole thing, like patting them down and shit. They're just, it's pretty much like bro code. Yeah. Like, dude, just don't pull your gun and we won't pull our gun. It's, it's a code of honor right. among thieves. It's crazy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Chill dog rules. Chill dog rules. That's right. <laughs> Do you know what chill dog rules are? No, I have no idea. <laughs> it's like, a, it's like a, if you're in a fight. And you're getting your ass kicked. You're like, yo, chill, dog, chill. And then the person backs off because you've had enough, you know? It's like, uh, you're still, you know, like uh, code of honor, chill dog rules, man. <laughs> just like, yeah, no biting, no kicking in the nuts. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah chill dog rules. Uh, so then the cars come from either direction, uh, surround Mike, and we get to see Gus. That's funny. And what's that? I actually wrote that too. The cars come from either direction. Perfectly timed. <laughs> like, how do you orchestrate that? This is like some, you're just bitching about people being on time and stuff, mm. and like it must in the movies, everything's always perfectly on it, time. It's it's well practiced. <laughs> <laughs> it's well practiced. That's right. It's like the Blue Angels; they go out right. for a while. Yeah, they did. They did several dry runs. Like they found some older bald guy to stand in for Mike. <laughs> 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 like, 
But they they also blocked <laughs> off the entire road. So what would they have realistically done had um had yeah. like a truck or something or you know like anything just happened to be on the same road? Like what? Just like game waving off around like a construction. Game off. No, yeah, they game off. <laughs> <laughs> Mike picks up the phone. Yeah. <laughs> like every fucking uh, time. <laughs> then yeah. they have to move it all back in the exact position. So a bunch of oh. girls in a in a uh, convertible, you know. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> They're like on their way to spring break. <laughs> yeah. Um, Mike's completely unimpressed by the entire show. Um, and uh, Gus just kind of explains how um how he hurt uh Hector by robbing yeah. the car, and he probably should back off his mission to kill him. Right, because I like how he said, uh, my plan isn't for Hector to die at this time. Which right. that's a little wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Right. Yeah. 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 Which also kind of relates to something later in the episode. Well, I mean, if that's true, too, that. man, like Hector really played the long con on that one. <laughs> he played like, he played Gus? long ball. He played long ball on that because he went from... He, he didn't want Hector to die yet, but he waited for Hector to go like full like vegetable mode and <laughs> do the wheelchair. Right. Like that's a that's a <laughs> blew long, his ass up. <laughs> that's a long, long wait. Whatever plan he was hatching, uh, that was uh, that was a uh, patience. Which, by the way, I did read some little nuggets and stuff that like we haven't talked about, like the fact that Hector gets blown up in the nursing home that Jimmy starts his elder law. Yeah, yeah, very stuff true. Like that, yeah, way cool. So uh, what what basically comes out of it is uh, Gus is just pretty much saying, uh, don't kill the dude. And, hey, if you want to uh, kind of keep, like, uh, weakening him by taking his money away and robbing his truck as such, feel free to do so. Yeah, see, this is what I'm always kind of struggling with is why, if he's a competitor, does he not want him taken out? Like, what is his benefit from Hector being in business or being alive? Yeah, maybe it has nothing to do with the business. <laughs> I, I'm I'm not sure. Maybe it's just uh like a like some sort of relationship of convenience. And you you know what's gonna happen, Dave? What's gonna happen is this was probably answered in Breaking Bad, and we're just gonna get tweets <laughs> all day okay. about how how they can't believe that we forgot why. Yes, but you know what? I'm not talking about that. Breaking Bad. I'm talking about Better Call Saul. Oh, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> and that's funny because I want to note that you did the pen shake at me. Like, this is an important mm-hmm. thing to say. Right, yeah. And absolutely. you were saying exactly what I was thinking. We're going to catch shit for this for yeah. not knowing. Now, um, <laughs> I, I suppose I could look it up, but it's also um, I'm in the middle of work, and I don't feel like it. So let's just go with all intents and purposes. But, I mean, no, because, like, in Breaking Bad, they had, like, a relationship, like, distributor and all that good stuff. So, you right. know, the the Salamanca family, family was distributing whatever drugs that – uh, Gus was making, therefore, it's uh, expedient for him to have you know those distribution arms and their connections. Oh wait a minute! Is, is, if, yeah, if Hector's buying the stuff off of Gus and then getting robbed, then yeah, Gus is still making his money. Gus is still making his money, but he's pretty much hurting the cut of of Hector, so he's still kind of weakening him a bit. Right, but but Gus loses nothing. Right, pretty much because I'm sure yeah. he's still making sure that he's getting paid. And then, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's yeah. where at where at in the supply chain is where I got confused for a minute. Right, 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 right. Feel free to clarify, though, guys, because I know you're going to, so just go for it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, but I, I do like, yeah. And then Mike, and he says, you know, basically, why did you go after Hector? Your family is no longer in danger. And Mike was kind of just like, I'm kind of old school with a vendetta. Mm-hmm. And then Gus is like, well, I suggest you don't. And Mike's like, nah, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> I ain't done. Chill dog rules. See? Chill dog rules. Like, <laughs> like, dude, don't kill him. Come on. Chill dog. I was like, oh, no, I really kind of want to ca- chill. Chill, bro. Like, all right. Or maybe that was Mike going like, all right, I won't kill him, but I'm still going to fuck with him. Yeah, that's what I got. Because when he first said, um, you know, but I'm not done with Hector Salamanca, I was like, he's going to kill him anyway. But then. Right. um, But then, well, we know that's uh, not true. We know as of yet. That's not true. So. So, but we'll get into that later. All right. So then, uh, it's. Uh, I meant because he's, Hector's alive and Breaking Bad, so Mike's not going to kill him. <laughs> right. <laughs> so we open up in the law office. We see Francesca. It's uh, she's answering a call from Jimmy. He finds uh, shitty old cigarettes in his car. Uh, uh, lights up, and he's pretty much, for all intents and purposes, just waiting for the police to arrive. And what was funny about this is. Is Chuck's doing that whole thing again where he's uh, actually trying to play like the good guy, even though he did something kind of, kind of dickish. Right. You know, like, it's like a kid when he's, I I think, I think he really believes it though. I, I, the way Michael McKean's playing it. Yeah. Like like he's not, he really believes he's doing this for Jimmy. Yeah. Like he offers them to wait. Very condescending. Yeah. Like you can wait inside, you know, um, you know, I'm trying to help you. It's almost like uh, like a father talking to his kid when his kid gets yes. caught shoplifting, and he's like, "All right," he calls the cops on him, and the kid can't understand why, and he's like, "Because like maybe this will change, yeah. change you, show you they can't keep doing this shit." You know, uh, but then he drives. Or it. I wrote down the quote. Go ahead. I wrote down the quote uh, before you ruin yourself or someone else, Kim Wexler. Ah. Good call. <laughs> Good call. And um, and then Jimmy responds with, you're going to die alone. Right. Well, before that, because uh, Chuck is like, uh, you know, I, I told you there'd be consequences. Because like, he played the whole thing where he's like trying to be nice and he's trying to like smooth it over and trying to reason. And then it's like uh-huh. he can't help himself but to like just jab at him one more time. And it's like, hey, I told you there'd be consequences. Right. So like right. I, 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 right. I don't feel if he was honestly trying to help. You know, like he'd be like, he because it just seems like he's just trying to drive it home. You know what I mean? Like, but at the same time, yeah, I didn't, he's trying I didn't, not. I didn't take he's trying way. to convince himself that he's not as big of a dick as he is. But then right. that's his justification was like, "Hey, I t- I told you what would happen. I told you what would happen. Right? You know what I mean? I I I actually disagree. Yeah, I I take it a different way. I I take it where he it's like it's like putting an addict through intervention, mm. like forcing them. You know, for their own good. Chuck thinks he knows what's good for Jimmy, mm-hmm. so he's trying to force Jimmy on the right path. And when people don't want that, they tend to go the wrong direction. Gotcha. Okay. Fair you know enough. I mean? Fair enough. Yeah. So open to interpretation. Um. Yeah. You know, and then that's the to. to well, we got to disagree on something. Right. Right. It, uh, I I disagree. <laughs> so going back, <laughs> going back to uh, what what you kind of brought up, um, you know, because Chuck told him like, "Hey, this is what's going to happen," and it kind of walks him through the process or whatever. And Jimmy yeah. Counter's like, "Okay, well, here's what's really going to happen. One of these days, <laughs> you're going to get sick again, and you're going to hide under your little space blanket, and you're going to go to the hospital, and you will die there alone <laughs> in pain." Bam! Hit him! Hit him right in the gut. <laughs> yeah, that's two. The Rebecca thing, 
Because he had just said yeah. the Rebecca line, you know. Yep, going going for the so, jugular on uh, yeah. It's Chuck. like it's like and, and so Chuck's not taking that well because he thinks he's helping Jimmy and Jimmy's just fighting back and trying to blows. end the trying to end the belt early, man. Trying yeah. <laughs> trying to end them. He's trying to Tyson uh, that guy. So the next scene we see Jimmy doing his perp walk, getting uh, processed and booked. That's and, right. Uh, and uh, Deputy District Attorney Oakley makes his return. Yeah. And uh, Penny starts a, giving Jimmy the business. <laughs> Penny with a prior guy coming back. And, uh, I mean, he's, he's the inspiration for the name of one of our shows. So mm-hmm, we got to yeah. give him a shout out. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So uh, he makes his return, and he's kind of um, – He's kind of giving Jimmy a hard time, but and uh, they're kind of just going back and forth with kind of like a brace of banter. Yeah, then, it's um, that whole like that mutual respect because they're colleagues. They kind of hate each other but respect each other. Mm-hmm. They're not trying to really get over on each other. Yeah, because he, he thinks he's going to be the prosecutor against Jimmy, and he's like, all right, I'll see if I can get your appearance, uh, appearance booked up. And then um, he gives the classic – Advice that everybody gets who's never yeah. been to jail is find the biggest guy you can and punch him, which is the worst advice you could probably ever give anybody <laughs> in jail. <laughs> you know, a uh, quick story. I got arrested one time uh, being awesome and drunk, and then I fell asleep in the cell. And uh, the police were nice enough to me that when I woke up and I and I got to leave jail, uh, they were laughing because they said uh, that I guess what happened was is there was like one blanket in the cell and it was obvious I was going to be there overnight. So I took the blanket and, um, <laughs> and I guess some guy came and tried to, or wanted the blanket and I threatened to punch the guy and knock his ass out. So as I was, but that never happened because apparently I fell asleep right afterwards and <laughs> the police were like, there was like a good two, three hours there where the guy wanted to punch me while I was sleeping in the cell. <laughs> <laughs> and like, that would have been sleep, awesome. Yeah, felony but, assault jokes, in jail. <laughs> but the joke, the jokes on him. I was passed out from being drunk, and I probably wouldn't have noticed anyway. <laughs> and I got a really cool picture with the police officer who arrested me. That to this day is in a frame with my paperwork on my dad's desk in our basement. <laughs> I remember that. I actually remember yeah. that now. <laughs> yeah, good times. Good times. So anyway, it was good to see. Uh, it was good to see DDA Oakley show up. And uh, it's it's always fun when you know just like uh, the vet, like when uh, characters are gone for a while, right? And then they they like I, I like how that it feels way more organic because they don't just like try to like pepper in characters every episode. Yeah. You know, you you almost forget about them, and then like six episodes or even like a whole season later, they show up once for five minutes, right? And yeah, it's, you know, you're like, oh, it's, it's good seeing them. It's good seeing. It them. doesn't feel forced. So, Right, yes. it definitely yes. doesn't. It definitely doesn't feel forced. Um, so, uh, then we cut to uh, Kim. She gets her own like waking up montage with like uh, it. The music is very reminiscent of like a Wonder Woman TV show from the nineteen seventies. Yeah, yeah, like that female superhero kind of vibe. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and what was awesome? It was like all uh, mundane stuff. It wasn't right. like she was like like doing anything awesome. It was just like. You know, putting on lipstick or but they showed you know like, I mean? like they showed her like snap the lipstick open and it pops up, you know, and like right when she puts right. the shoes, yeah, every, every mundane thing had a little mm-hmm. thing to it. But that, goes, so my my thought was was this a walk of shame or was she going from the law office 
to the gym to back to the law office. I think it was just her her uh, routine, right? Because I guess she was at, yeah. what, was she at you know well, I guess I mean, that I would guess fit with the whole mundane thing is this isn't a special day this is a routine this is what she's been right doing yeah I, I think this is what like uh, you know like her her like uh, her routine to get ready to rock and roll for the day you know right. like like those are her like you know you know like the superheroes like putting on the cuffs and like attaching the cape and like right like that kind of thing but it's like. Lipstick and like curling the hair and like drying off from the shot, and then she's like all ready to rock and all pumped, you know, like because it but, totally set it up like she was that Wonder Woman s superhero, and then just happens to be stopped dead in her track by Ernesto's car. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I also want to note the fact that she slept in her clothes. She's sleeping at the office. She's staying mm-hmm. up all night to work on this case, and then just getting up and doing it all again in the morning. Right. She's getting up, getting refreshed, getting ready to go. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, okay, yeah, long night last night, but new day, it's go time. I'm uh, fist pumping right now. Dave can totally see it. <laughs> yes, he yeah. is. You, you know what I mean, though? Like, she's like, all right, all right, let's do this. Let's yeah. get Ernesto. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, takes her takes her uh, out of her well, game, and then Ern- Yeah, it's kind of like, okay, something's up. Yeah. <laughs> he's got some bad news for Kim. He's like, uh, you know, Mr. McGill fired me. And uh, this is how Kim finds out that Jimmy has been arrested. That's right. Charles <laughs> was right on his prediction. That's right. Uh, then we see Jimmy. He's uh, finally getting uncuffed and kind of being escorted to court. Uh, the charges against him are a fourth degree felony, breaking and entering, uh, petty misdemeanor assault. And uh, criminal damage to property. I'm not. I'm really sure where the assault came in. I guess yelling at somebody in their house is assault. Maybe. Yeah, because even like Chuck immediately didn't. Maybe the PI said that or mm-hmm. something. Yeah, and of course he pleads not guilty, so he's doubling down on everything. Yes, he he's gonna pull this off. His he's gonna pull this off, and he's gonna do it all on his own. So then Kim enters the courtroom, all of which carries a maximum <laughs> penalty of 18 months. <laughs> I was waiting for you to do that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I know Dave's gonna cut it down. I know Dave's gonna cut it down, but I had to leave the recording for like a good like five minutes there. And uh, when I came back, Dave was asleep. <laughs> um, all right, so um, Kim comes back as his lawyer. Uh, Jimmy kind of denies her. She's a little bit confused and kind of stunned, he... kind of taken aback. Yeah, like, dude, what? What's up? And uh, he just kind of says, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm going to uh, represent myself. And because he has no real situations previous to that, his bond is set at $2,500. Which is pretty cheap. There's a lot of trust in him, I guess. The judge knows him personally. That's mm-hmm. right. The follow-up, follow-up scene, he arrives at the office and Kim is there. And um, I, I thought, I, man, I didn't know if this was out of character or this was all part of, like, Jimmy's ruse. Or whatever, no, where he, he comes no, in and he he's apologetic, which he should be, but then he's like, Oh yeah, Chuck bamboozled me again. <laughs> like that's totally victim. in character. That's that's the directing of the blame, yeah. Yeah, he's like Chuck's bullshit vendetta. But um yeah. So, you know, put painting himself as the victim of some some conspiracy, you know, and he says, you know, he didn't want her as the attorney to protect her, which might be the only uh, sincere statement that he made during all that no see this is where we disagree again because i think the entire monologue was sincere to jimmy he blames every you know that's his character he blames everybody else for everything forget the fact mm-hmm. that he screwed chuck out of this multi-million dollar law case 
You know, <laughs> it's Chuck's Dude. fault that he got busted. It's your fault. Right. It's like we were just texting each other. <laughs> yeah, we started. <laughs> why do you, it's the it's the bad boyfriend with the why do you make me hurt you? It's that's sincere mm-hmm. in their own mind. Mm-hmm. Bullshit in reality. And, yeah, and I I like that he turns to Francesca and he's trying to like rationalize with her, and he's just like, hey, um, this isn't a typical week around here. She doesn't even seem phased by it. Yeah, you know, as if that's work. completely. Completely normal. Like, uh, all right, we're gonna move everybody off, and he's gonna come in like, like a ta- like a dog with his tail between his legs. And uh, okay, yeah, but I fixed a mural. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Maybe she's just happy to be away from the DMV. I guess so. I guess it's hell there. Mm-hmm. In, uh, in some TV we, shows, it is. Yep. We cut to uh, the doctor's office and his kids getting checkup, and the whole time I was, I was I, because like. They love doing the thing where it switches over and like normal shows, it'll give you like a, well, where the hell are they moment for a couple seconds. Uh-huh. But like this show will tend to drag it on for like a minute uh-huh. <laughs> to like, like not just set the scene, but like set the entire fucking history of everything that's ever happened at that location. <laughs> so for like a minute, I'm like, are, are we at like Tuco's doctor? Like, or is, is heck. And then I was like, is this the doctor that like, diagnoses Hector with whatever ailment he has that puts him in the wheelchair? Because they, they made it a point to show a wheelchair. Yeah close up twice so i'm like okay maybe that's where they're that's and who yeah. knows maybe that's that was maybe my that's first shadowing for some time down the road was it that was my okay. first thought was we're gonna get to hector the wheelchair but i kind of had a little heads up that this is the doctor from breaking bad when uh gus gets poisoned mm-hmm. remember he does nice. the party he heads straight to a doctor uh-huh. which i think also he also treated walt right right at some point because he got like messed up in mexico yeah i believe so yeah, so this is definitely Breaking Bad. This is definitely a Breaking Bad character. Awesome. Okay, cool. Good insight, Dave. Nice. Very nice. Well, um, sometimes uh, I try. <laughs> so uh, Mike's at the doctor in the name of uh, Mr. Clark, and I love how he's trying to get a package this big. Yeah. And the how dude, many grams the is that? A, yeah. I don't know. This big. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, the, the receptionist called him the revenge guy. <laughs> the revenge guy yeah. yeah like this is the guy that's out for revenge how they went it's to from the drugs to the gun right didn't he mm-hmm. they go straight to him putting the the drugs in with the assault rifle yeah so i was like what the hell yeah. is he gonna do lace the bullet tips with the drugs right <laughs> see i thought it i i even have a note about that that he placed it with with the guns but i guess that was just Actually, in a weird way, foreshadowing mm-hmm. what the overall plan was going forward. So, yeah, because I, I thought that too. I'm like, all right, that must mean something. But then it was quite a bit for a payoff on that. And I'm like, okay, well, maybe that's just, uh, you know, I put a lot of stuff in my briefcase. <laughs> you know, maybe that was just the best, <laughs> best place to put it. Um, we see uh, DDA Oakley, you know, hanging Actually, out. He gets two. Hold on. You know what I thought? I thought he was going to shoot somebody and those drugs were going like, to keep that guy alive. Oh, no, I didn't even. I didn't even think about that. I, I honestly just thought that he got pills for whatever reason. And <laughs> like, obviously it would have to do with like harming somebody or doing something. Right. But then he just tossed it, tossed it in the gun case. Cause that's just a decent place to store. Yeah. No, I drugs, thought, I guess. And given the fact that he didn't go to the vet, he said our mutual acquaintance set us up, which mm-hmm. I, that's the vet. Mm-hmm. So, the, but mm-hmm. it was, he, he got it in Mexico. So that's why I thought it was going to be related to him trying to snipe off Hector. Gotcha. And then using nice. the drugs to 
Yeah. To keep them, to keep them going. Yeah, I thought they playing. were going in a person, not on top of a van. Gotcha. Okay. Not bad. Very nice. So, uh, we see DDDA Oakley. He's getting coffee. Again, we see the uh, shot from inside the coffee machine. I think they did that in season one. Mm-hmm. Uh, he gets two kinds of chips. Appears to be like uh, really right. anal about like holding them a certain way. That's right. You got to you, <laughs> you got you to keep your sour cream and your cheddar separate. You know, and for some reason, I was actually rooting for him to grab one for each bag and then like eat them together. I don't know why. I was just like, he's totally going to mash them together. Awesome. It's but, like when you roll up. That's, that's, you put gushers in a fruit roll up, you know. Right, that's a solid snack move. That's exactly. a, that's a solid move. Right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so Jimmy sits down with a way better lunch. Uh, they start talking about um, the prosecution and such. Uh, Oakley's bumming fries, and mm-hmm. uh, Jimmy kind of keeps it like enticing them because apparently DDA Oakley is not doing well enough to buy a hamburger at the commissary. <laughs> he can only afford two right. bags of chips and a shitty cup of coffee. <laughs> well, that, like they, you know, when. Uh... When he says, you know, have a, you might have to stay in jail overnight. And Jimmy's like, well, it beats the back of a nail salon. And mm-hmm. Oakley, he kind of understood a little too well. Yeah. He's like, yeah. He's, yeah. yeah <laughs> that's true. Maybe, uh, maybe Oakley uh, is the next Better Call Saul spinoff. Slipping, <laughs> slipping, slipping. No, we'll call him Folkley. <laughs> <laughs> the fake shades. <laughs> Getting hokey with Oakley. <laughs> <laughs> Oakley, Oakley. Uh, okie dokie, Oakley. <laughs> Do the okie dokie shuffle. We what movie is that from? Stuff. Yeah. No clue. <laughs> what is it from? Beverly Hills Cop 3. Anyway. Oh. Three? Beverly Hills Cop 3? <laughs> yeah, it's the, one at the, <laughs> it's the one at the amusement park, and okie dokie's the elephant. He does the okie dokie shuffle. Okie dokie, okie yo. <laughs> Anyway, oh, all right. <laughs> the best, the best of the Beverly Hills Cop franchise. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. <laughs> uh, so then uh, Oakley informs Jimmy that he's pulling in an outside prosecutor. And uh, I, I love how he's just like, uh, he, he just has to ask to satisfy his curiosity, you know, dreaming of greener pastures and bigger, better things like Davis and Bay. And he's like, do they let you keep the German car? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, no. That sucks. <laughs> like, yeah, blows. Or, or that, that blows. blows. <laughs> that blows. That blows. Uh, uh, Mike's on the road again. Uh, he puts the package in the shoe, and he attempts to toss him up on the power line, which... Um, I can relate. Have you tried that before? I've tried it. It's kind of hard to have do. Have you? Yes. I To me, it just looks like something that'd be so frustrating, like my knuckles would hurt. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, it's, it's like throwing uh, nunchucks. Or uh, one of those bolos, you know, he just got to get it right, and it takes several attempts sometimes. Gotcha. Okay, but he uh, he makes it. He makes it up there. We find out why later. Um, and then, then the prosecutor. That, there, I want to note that it shows that twenty kilometers from the border sign, which is letting us know he's replacing those other shoes. Say that again. I'm sorry. It shows that 20, com- 20 kilometers from the border sign, which lets mm-hmm. us know that he's in Mexico and he's replacing those shoes that fell. That's the same spot. Ah, nice. Good catch. I didn't even catch that. Nice. Yeah. I thought he was like setting up a different signal, like putting the signal somewhere else so they would stop mm-hmm. at a- another spot and he could ambush them. Mm-hmm. But you come to find out, blah, 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 that he's replaced the shoes. Gotcha. 
Because you need, you know, you need that signal. And which I'm wondering, mm-hmm. is this a fortuitous attempt? Or I'm sorry, is this a fortuitous set of circumstances that those shoes fell and he was able to pull this off and set this up? Or did he cause those mm-hmm. other shoes to fall so he could enact this plan? Oh, well, we can, um, no, I think, uh, let's let's revisit that here in a couple scenes. Okay. So um, we see uh, Miss Hayes, the special prosecutor who will be standing in for uh, DDA Oakley, appears at Chuck's house. They're going over the uh, the case and uh, such, and she even asks if Chuck's going to be able to go through with it because they're family. Right. And she assure, he assures her that he is, but then he also seems to pull that back a little bit. Yeah, he kind of, he seems so certain at first. Yeah. Right. Like, I'm going and then to testify. I think, yeah. I I think what happens is like once she starts going over this the strategy, you know, she says, you know, we definitely plan to hold the line on the felony. I think that's when he's just kind of like like it kind of hits him a little bit and he kind right. of pulls it back. Like I want to get punished, but I don't want him to get punished that hard. Right. And then he comes up with the better solution for everybody that um that we find out in just a bit. Uh, what his other solution was, and for some reason I have in a big box that says another con. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't, I didn't so, see that, but I did see, I did note her use of the phrase as officers of the court, we have to be held to a higher standard. That's like a Chuckism. Yeah, that's totally a so Chuckism. Yeah, he's with a kindred so, spirit in this situation. Right? Maybe he, maybe the wheel started turning in his head. How if if he were in Mrs. Hayes' situation. He'd be like burning to rake right. the defendant over the coals. So he's like, "Oh shit, this lady's just as hardcore as I am. Right. What would I do? Okay, I have a better idea. How you know, like, let's pull this, like, let's rein it in, yes. just a little bit. Maybe the reality kind of hit him a little bit because he saw some of himself in her. Yes, uh, the shoe was on the other foot. Other foot, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Then we finally uh, we finally see how the whole uh, alto sign and shoes on the on the wire is gonna go. So uh, we see Mike with his rifle. He's overlooking the intersection. Uh, you saw the little flash, the little light lens flare. What do they call that? That's how snipers can see each other. Yeah, I, the sun reflects off the uh, binoculars. I think that's just what it's called. It's like a lens flare, isn't it? Something like that. Okay, yeah. well let's go with lens flare. Unless uh, lens flare. Unless there's any snipers out there that want to correct us, please feel free to do so. But yeah, please just correct us on Twitter. Don't blow our heads yeah, off. Yeah, some of you people that um, play Call of Duty, I'm sure you probably <laughs> probably know exactly what we're talking about. <laughs> um, but it gives more context to the opening. Um, uh, in the opening, it was a um, it was a uh, well. In the opening, it was Poyos Hermanos' truck, and the, but they were driving the uh, Rigaldo Halada truck. Right. Right. Uh, I don't know. I wrote that down, and I was like, "Which good catch?" I honestly didn't notice it that. Just, it, it was just for effect to show the passage of time. Mm. So, <laughs> because well, I had to go back and relook at this too because on the alto sign, I didn't see the bullet holes at the oh, end of the episode. Yeah, because the opening scene takes place way after the scene in takes place after the scene in the show. So yeah, well no because well I don't know maybe he hit the does stop it? sign. Yes, it does. Because I went because in the opening scene the shoes are more worn, and they have and the 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 uh I don't know the the texture of the of the electric cable and the swinging shoes eventually cut through the the uh, shoelaces and that's how it falls to the ground. 
Right. Well, that's what I was saying that when Mike replaced the shoes. No, he didn't replace the shoes. He put them up there to begin with. It was like a brand new pair of shoes. Okay. See, you know, but you know what I'm saying? No, I don't know what you're saying. I didn't, I didn't take the opening shot as in the future. I take the opening shot as current time. The shoes fell, gives Mike an opening to plant new shoes. Oh, no. I think you're overthinking it. it, when, it when it opened up, it was... No, I think I underthought it. It, it kind of gave you no no inclination of what the hell was going on. And then later on, you see Mike pull out the new shoes and then does what he does in the scene. Okay, well, so we need to scratch the entire thing that I said about how those shoes were a marker for the driver. No. Because they're not. Yeah, okay, so I guess I... I to the driver, right, those but, shoes shouldn't even be what, there. They're just shoes hanging. But that's what you thought they were. And so at the beginning, I could see how you could totally think that because, because we right. were all trying to figure out what exactly they were there for, right? right. But what, what actually happens is uh, Mike put the drugs in there. He shoots it from afar with the sniper rifle, which is the scene that yeah. we saw in the previews that we all thought like, okay, well, maybe this is where Mike actually kills somebody for the first time. And <laughs> Right, which I it sets you up that way because he's, he's eyeing him up in the scope. Mm, yeah. And then he just starts firing shots off. He starts firing shots off into the air. Mm. So those guys will not pay attention to the shots. So when he shoots the shoe, they don't stop the truck. Right, check. because, yeah, because they think it's hunters. Yes. They, <laughs> they, That's clever. That's really, really clever. That, like that was. Uh, that was a funny way how they teased it, though. Like, he was using the sights to keep an eye on their reactions is what was going uh-huh. on. But the first time he did that, I'm like, oh, man, they're just making it look like. Because the first couple times he did that, they made it seem like he was lining it up and uh, was trying to see how the other guy would react to a shot. You know what I mean? Like, right. and then like the third time or whatever, uh, you know, that's even when they say like, oh, it must be hunters, which again is, uh, is pretty damn clever. It's a good yes. way to go about that. Very clever. Good way to go about that. I thought the whole putting the drugs in the shoes. So it basically, basically is like a controlled sprinkle onto the truck. I thought that mm-hmm. was, uh, pretty clever as well. And overall, I really, really like that scene. It's a good way. Even though I was, even though I was completely wrong about things. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> But it's it's a, it's a, again another ingenious way to show that Mike thinks outside the box and he doesn't always do things through sheer brutality, which would be just picking them right. off right there. He's fucking them over more because, um, you know, he well now he's got law enforcement involved. Yeah, now he's got law enforcement involved, much like when uh, he was supposed to take out Tuco, but instead decided to get his face pounded in <laughs> and get law enforcement involved. So yeah, he's basically putting a bunch of people in jail that want to kill him. Right. He, he's like. He's like a Batman of sorts. He's like Batman. Yeah. Mike Ehrmantraut is Batman. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Okay. Uh, then, lastly, <laughs> it's uh, late night at Wexler and McGill. Kim's uh, still sitting there working. She sees uh, the sparkles from the lighter through the gl- glass bricks of the facade. And we have a scene very reminiscent to the first time that we saw Kim where they were like yeah, taking against- the cigarette. Yep. Sharon, the, I really noticed that. Yep. And, uh, you know, um, a lot of nice things happened in this scene. One, Kim solidified her support for Jimmy with kind of like, uh, uh-huh. you know, I'll help you out. We're in this together kind of deal, you know, and uh, Jimmy lays out the full case that they they have against him. And basically what it comes down to is that, you know, Chuck's after his law license you know, he, he can eat. So Jimmy right. can either confess and kind of get off and, uh, but he'll lose his license or he can, uh, fight in court 
and most likely then be put in jail where he'll then uh, lose his license. <laughs> so it's the, the, I don't know what a pre-prosecution diversion is. That I did not look up. Did you look that up? Yes, it's a written confession. Okay. So, 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 if he, this... so to avoid trial, as I understand it, I looked it up. To avoid trial, what he can do is um, he can confess, and it'll avoid trial, and then they just kind of give him like a punishment, and that'll be the end of it, which his punishment would be he'd be disbarred. He would be disbarred if he lost the trial because Chuck wants the Bar Association to know that he confessed. My impression is that doesn't guarantee that he's disbarred. It just puts a red flag up for anybody that's looking for a lawyer. They know this is on his record, which is why he would end up changing his name mm. to a pseudonym to protect that. It'll still be on his record, and you could look it up. But who the hell looks up their lawyer? Yeah. Because lawyers are so goddamn trustworthy. I guess that's true. Maybe know? maybe that's where that, that's coming in. But basically, he's either way, he's set up for a catch-22. Right. Like, it, right. So he has to choose... Basically, he has to choose being a uh, a scarlet-lettered lawyer versus a completely disbarred lawyer. <laughs> right, right, right. And, uh, you know, Kim Kim offers to join the fight. And, uh, you know, he's like, why the hell would you do that? And, uh, you know, she says, uh, consider it a policy of sunk costs. So Kim's all in. And, uh, and then... Which I want to elaborate. The fallacy of sunk costs, I did look up. You did? And I, lo- and I lost it. Oh, okay. Well, it happens to the best of us. I Googled it. It's basically, it's it's basing, it's it's going through with something because you've already invested so much into yeah. it mm-hmm. and not realizing that that cost is sunk and there's nothing you can do to get that. But it's a poker thing. It's big in poker and economics. Mm-hmm. Yep. But a lot of the, there's a lot of poker uh, similarities, you know, to everybody playing each other mm-hmm. and blah, blah, blah. Yep. So, and I would hear it all the time at poker tables, like, "Oh, I've already put this much in. I might as well put the rest of my money in." And I'd be thinking, like, "No, dude, because yeah. if you know you're going to lose, you fucking fold." Yeah, or <laughs> yeah, or walk away or something. But yeah, absolutely. So, um, overall, Kenny Rogers, overall, I really, really enjoyed the. Uh, I really enjoyed the episode. I thought it was uh, very well done. I think the uh, shooting the shoes was absolutely ingenious, and um, mm-hmm. I, I can't wait till next week till we get to see episode three hundred four. Yeah, they're still being clever, and uh, it's still burning slow. I, I texted you last night. I was driving home, and I heard a DJ, uh, a sports talk radio guy mm-hmm. just kind of bring it up out of nowhere. Like, oh, do you guys watch Better Call Saul? And he's just like, kind of, I don't get it. He's like, is he going to be Saul? It seems like all he's doing is running errands for his brother uh. and shit like that. And I was like, well, I wanted to call in and be like, well, it's a slow burn, and are you not paying attention to the mic right. storyline? Right, yeah. You know? <laughs> Like, there's a lot going on. It is. And he's, you know, all oh, this groundbreaking television. And it's like, well, I don't know if I'm not going to call it groundbreaking television, but it's pretty damn good. Mm-hmm. I'd say. In my opinion. I don't know. I, I, I'd i say the cinematography is probably above and beyond what you could probably find on your standard basic cable television show. You know? Absolutely. I, I think the production value mm-hmm. is far exceeds a lot of what's on TV. Yeah. You know, and really, in all honesty, up in. Uh, if if we weren't doing this podcast, I would have probably forgotten that a lot of it had to do with Breaking Bad. Yeah, I wouldn't. I definitely wouldn't look so much into it, but I would be enjoying the show. Yeah. But I, I I probably wouldn't watch it live and wait for yeah. it to hit Netflix. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, I I thought overall a great episode. I can't wait to see next week's episode. So uh, I guess that's uh, where Dave and I turn to you 
out there listening to us. Well, what do you think? What did you think about the episode? What did Dave and I miss? Because Lord knows we probably missed a lot. <laughs> but that's why we do the show. We've said from day one that Dave and I are not going to take two days to go analyze every little thing. What we are going to do is be your guys on the couch and chat with you and have discussions about the show just as if you called up your buddy and uh, you, you were both kind of into the same deal and just kind of have those like uh, – you know, sometimes incorrect, but um, friendly banter, you know, chats about mutual interests, I guess, if that makes sense. Right, Dave? Something like that. Something like that. So make sure to contribute. Not overly analytical, but we try to be a little analytical. Yep. I mean, I know, I know we catch things that you guys don't, but I'm sure you guys catch a lot more that we Abs- don't. And we appreciate you. And thanks for the good humor about everything. Absolutely. Dave and I are your boys on the couch. Thank you so much for listening to us every week. Make sure to check out the Nothing Important Podcast for all of our great celebrity interviews. Make sure to share It's All Good Man with all of your friends and tell them that you listen to the Better Better Call Saul podcast. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, iTunes, Podcast Detroit, and uh, hopefully coming up here soon, other places. Uh, I can't wait till episode four. Make sure to check out this week's preview with the prior and get your predictions in so we can read them on the show thank you for putting up with dave and i's uh flightiness over the last week um we'll probably talk more about that this week on the nothing important podcast if you want to find out why dave and i have been kind of off our game this past week but uh we're gonna make a concerted effort to get back on the stick right dave yep and we're even going to release at least one interview we have banked with a major character I'll leave that as a surprise. That's right. So make sure that you keep an eye out for that. Thank you so much. Check out itsallgoodman.com. Dave. Call us idiots. Call us geniuses. Whatever. Just call us.